This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone, here and around the world. We have maybe 116 countries joining us tonight, and we have the good news that this Earth Files YouTube channel has broken through 262,000 subscribers. With us for the first time in my Earth Files YouTube channel studio is a film crew sent from Prometheus Studios. Prometheus has been producing Ancient Aliens for the History Channel since it began 15 years ago. And I've been reporting for Ancient Aliens since the beginning. And in this new 2024 season, one of our Ancient Aliens programs is called The Linda Moulton Howe File. It's a deep dive into my work as a TV, radio, web, and YouTube channel, investigative reporter, producer, writer, director, editor. And it was 45 years ago in September 1979 that I began what would become the most difficult and dangerous work of my career, the investigation of bloodless, trackless animal mutilations linked to UFOs, ETs, and the strange abduction syndrome where human children and adults end up confused about what's called missing time, and little or no memories of what happened. Sometimes hypnosis recovers missing memories that often contain interactions with alien humanoids. It was September 1979 when I was, began producing my Emmy-awarded TV documentary, A Strange Harvest, about bloodless, trackless animal mutilations in Colorado, throughout North America and Canada, and around the world. Since then, I've interviewed some 3,000 experiencers and eyewitnesses for TV, radio, documentaries, my large books, and this Earth Files YouTube channel. Finally, in summer 2023, a few military and government whistleblowers came forward in a House subcommittee hearing on TV to share their classified secret knowledge about government and military cover-up of alien intelligences from beyond Earth that allegedly have been interacting with Earth life for millions of years. Just a couple of weeks ago, in the first week of 2024, this YouTube headline appeared on Discovery UK in Europe, quote, Government whistleblower exposes the Alaskan Black Pyramid, aliens in Alaska, close quote. Featured was a U.S. Army whistleblower backlighted and voice altered, who revealed a classified message he received in 1983 about a huge all-black pyramid bigger than Cheops in Egypt, buried deep underground between Nome and Mount Denali, Alaska. His identity has been concealed for his own safety. What I am about to tell you is classified on the highest level of security in our federal government. Telling you this could get me sent to Leavenworth. 
for the rest of my life. During the height of the Cold War, I worked in a telecommunications center which delivered all of the high-priority messages. It was not uncommon for most everybody in my office to have a top-secret security clearance. And top-secret is the, the, the highest one that anybody in the federal government can have. One day, in 1983, he decoded a message that left him and his colleagues completely perplexed. And we noticed the subject line on it was Alaskan Black Pyramid. This is what I first reported at my earthfiles.com news website 12 years ago, back in July 2012, after being contacted by retired U.S. Army Chief Warrant Officer Douglas Mutchler. He served at Fort Richardson in U.S. Army Intelligence in Anchorage. At first, when I tried to call him to record our interview, something or someone was blocking our phone connection. But we persisted. And here now is an interview segment from my interview with Doug Mutchler that I first broadcast on July 26, 2012 at earthfiles.com and on Coast to Coast AM radio. As a past intelligence operative and knowing how the government works, they're covering something. Something's up there and somebody is hiding it. Now let's go forward with the story that appears to be so sensitive that extra effort is being made to block us. So now, would you go back to our working counterintelligence as a warrant officer, CW2, and that you were in Anchorage, Alaska at Fort Richardson, and we are beginning this story in 1989. I asked to go to Alaska as my first duty station as a warrant officer, because my dad was stationed there, and he loved the place. I went there, and when I arrived, one of the first things I did was go and get maps, because I wanted to prospect. So I went to the GSA office, and I picked up every map that made up Alaska. They were the Joint Operation Graphic Ground Maps, scale 1 to 250,000. And it covered the whole bedroom wall and the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, these are really detailed maps. And I got the one of them that was on the western portion of the state, and it was whited out. There was a whole section about the size of a Christmas card. And it said, this area not surveyed as of this date. And the first thing I thought was, that's ridiculous. I mean, they've had the earth mapped since like the 60s. And I know Alaska was mapped out right after World War II. But anyways, it didn't make sense to be whited out. They're hiding something. <laughs> what I was into, counterintelligence, there's something there. But I had no need to know. Then I'm out processing, 1992. And we're sitting there. It was in late November, early December. And I'm sitting there in the orderly room with about 40 other people. And we were waiting for the last formation of the day. We're watching the TV. A news program was on. And they started talking about this uh, Chinese detonation of an underground nuclear bomb that was set off earlier that year. 
May 22nd, 1992. And they were talking about that, how big it was. And then there was a byline. And the story was about geologists around the world had been informed through the UN because China had told the UN they were going to do this. And so these geologists got together and they said, let's get the best recordings of the Earth's crust and mantle using the vibrations from this explosion. And what they found in this byline story was under Alaska, they found a pyramid bigger than the one in Egypt. They said they didn't know whether it was solid or hollow. They couldn't tell that. But they had the distinct outline of a pyramid. And this was supposed to be where? That whited out area, the uh, area that showed on the TV, were south of Mount McKinley, and it was towards the west near the Nome area. There's an area there that was whited out, quite a large area, really. And when I saw the uh, news program, I mean, it just in my mind's eye, I could see it just right where the whiteout area was. Well, I knew that the whole world has been surveyed. So why was this whited out? It didn't make any sense. I was like, oh, man, i got to get this tonight. So I went home, and I got a recorder and set it up. No story. I called home, the lower 48, to my dad. And he religiously, my, <laughs> my dad is a TV hound, especially a news hound, morning, noon, evening, and 11 o'clock. He watches them all. He heard nothing about it, not a thing. I mean, it's a big story, bigger than the one in Egypt. And it's not being covered in lower 48. Meaning, as if, either there was some block on the story getting into the United States, or the story had been picked up only by the local Channel 13 station in Anchorage. That's the only thing I could come up with myself. But the thing is, I went the next day to the station and asked if I could get a copy of that story. And I was talking to the general manager, asking for it. And he said, what story? We didn't run no story about no pyramid. And I was like, sure you did. (laughs) There's 40 of us guys, and they watched it on TV. And he denied it ever running. And I, I was just perplexed. Knowing what I know, I thought to myself, this guy's been got to. He's covering. I mean, it's the only thing that could be. And what you mean is that the United States government, when push comes to shove and the Department of Defense says that something is sensitive, they can interact with management in TV stations or networks and say, don't run that story. They do it all the time. Yes. That's a matter of record. So I was walking out and there was a technician staring at me. And the way he acted, he's like, come here. And I I walked over and I said, can you help me with this? He goes, man, we ran that, but I can't get it for you. It's gone. I can't help you. But it ran. I was mad. I went back to the office in formation that night. I told everybody what I'd found out. And the guys in the unit were like, wait a minute, we watched it. What do you mean they didn't run it? You know, the same thing I was saying. So... I have tried to find that news program, 
and somebody out there has to have been recording their kid's ball game or wrestling match or something, you know, and they've got it. Somebody has it. I'd love to get it because I want to find out where those grid coordinates are. What happened about a year later in 1993 when you went to Fort Meade? Okay, I was going through a lot of operations during this period of time. Uh, I was a commander at Fort Leonard Wood. That was a small detachment. And when I was working on a book for doing background investigations, and then we had another thing that we were working on terrorism around that area. It was a thing we were working with the FBI. So part of my job was to go to Fort Meade where they have storehouses of information. I'll just put it that way. I don't want to get into too much. Everybody listening, and myself included, when they hear Fort Meade, they automatically think of the National Security Agency. Is that where you were? Uh, no. And I, won't, I don't want to get into the building or the, the organization. It's a building that is an SCI type of building, Special Compartment and Information. I don't want to get into the name of the, the building or who runs it, but it is a military thing. It's just a big warehouse where they have rows and rows and rows and rows of combination safes. So it's an archive for highly classified sensitive material. Right. I was looking for what I was looking for. And then when I was done, I thought, maybe they have something about this pyramid. So I went to the librarian, and I asked him if he had anything on archaeological sites. I didn't say pyramid. But I said, archaeological sites or underground facilities in Alaska. He said, well, if we do, it might be in container X, Y, or Z. So I went over there, just looking around, and I really didn't find anything saying pyramid, but I grabbed a couple of Alaska, like two different safes. And I had just sat down, and these two guys came. You know, you can feel someone standing behind you. And these two goons go, hey, you don't have a need to know for that information. And I turned around and said, what do you mean? And he was like, you don't have a need to know. You're going to have to leave. I said, well, I'm just looking for We know what you're looking for. And, and the other guy, somehow in that conversation, he goes, they don't want us messing with them up there anymore. They don't want you messing with them up there. They don't want anybody messing with him. And the guy who was standing with him, the bigger guy, his head just shot over, and he looked at his partner. And you could tell he was just glaring at him. And I was, like, flustered because I was thinking, what did he just tell me? They don't want any of us messing with them anymore? Up there, right? And up there, yeah. from where you were at Fort Meade in Maryland, would certainly be up there. Alaska, because the folder I had was Alaska. As a result of that July 2012 broadcast on Coast Radio, two other sources contacted me regarding the Dark Pyramid in Alaska. One was the son of a man who had worked for Western Electric on the distant early warning system known as the Dew Line. 
That Western Electric employee had been flown to a secret location in Alaska with other Western Electric and Bell Lab employees to investigate the large pyramid found deep underground. The top of the Black Pyramid was 150 feet down from the surface, meaning you're walking around down here, go down 150 feet, and you would get to the very tip-top point, vertex, of the Black Pyramid. And then, if you went from that vertex down to the bottom of the base of the Big Pyramid, you would be 700 feet down. That meant the Alaska Pyramid is 550 feet tall, and that's 68 feet higher than the Cheops Pyramid in Cairo, Egypt, that was originally 482 feet tall. The Black Pyramid was determined to be some type of a power generation system. The large Black Pyramid was so advanced that the engineers and scientists could not figure out how it worked. But they determined that it had the ability to, quote, power all of Alaska and Canada, close quote. Further, it was very ancient and was not created by humans. Another man who heard my July 2012 Coast to Coast AM broadcast about the underground dark pyramid in Alaska called and told me that his once military pilot father had secretly flown in a civilian Huey helicopter from Unalakalit, Alaska to the underground pyramid site between Nome and Mount Denali. He said his father was told that the Black Pyramid was more secret than the Manhattan Atomic Bomb Project in World War II. The father told his son that when the helicopter landed, it did not shut down. They were surrounded by jeeps with 50 caliber machine guns. There was barbed wire fenced enclosure with armed guard towers. Inside the enclosure were two mine shaft type elevators that went down to something deep underground. Six men came forward to the Huey helicopter and offloaded three heavy metal equipment cases without saying a word. Then a Jeep with a fuel hose and fuel tank pulled up and they hot fueled the Huey helicopter. When the fuel tanks were filled, the Huey took off and returned to Unalakleet. It was the son who contacted me at Earth Files. I am now working again with retired U.S. Navy Captain Mark Wood, who has helped me on the Dark Pyramid reports since 2012. In U.S. Navy Captain Park Mark Wood's 25-year career that included four years on active duty and 21 years assigned to two Naval Air Reserve squadrons, he accumulated approximately 3,000 hours in the P-3 Orion Maritime Patrol aircraft, and he made 14 overseas deployments as a P-3 tactical coordinator, mission commander, and squadron detachment officer in charge with both the Atlantic and Pacific fleets. In this work that you have done now, where do you think the Dark Pyramid is underground and why? Well, Linda, based on the witnesses that contacted you back in 2012, 
we've been able to, to put together some information on Google Earth Maps that give us an idea of where the Dark Pyramid may be located. First of all, we know that there was a Western Electric engineer with some Bell Labs people that flew from Omaha into Alaska, and they landed in the western part of the state at a town called Unalakalit. From there, they were put on a bus with the windows blacked out and drove approximately four hours to a location where they came to a very rudimentary runway that was packed ice and snow. And that is Caltag. Caltag, okay. They took them off the bus, and then they divided them into small groups and put them on small airplanes to fly to the east towards where the Dark Pyramid is located. My assumption is they were probably flying on de Havilland Beaver aircraft, single engines that would carry seven to eight people. The Army Air Force and the U.S. Air Force purchased over 900 of those over the years, and they were available beginning in 1948 after World War II. What was interesting about this Caltag is that some of the documents we saw indicated that its airport was built in the 1960s. Now, the Western Electric and Bell Labs people were there in 59 through 61, but it turns out when you look at a 1959 National Geographic map of Alaska, it shows that Caltag had an airport. So we know that Caltag was probably the location that they went to in the bus with the black windows. And then they got on an airplane, a small plane, and flew to the east. And the only thing that we knew of from the Western Electric Engineer was that when they landed at this new airport, that it had a longer runway, and it was a runway long enough to probably handle cargo planes, which the airport at Caltag could not. So our job at that point began to look for an airport somewhere close to the 50-mile arc in Denali, and that is where our area of probability started. And what we found was in that general vicinity, there were only two airports close to that Denali 50-mile arc that had long runways that could have been used by the Western Electric people. The first one was in a town called Nikolai, which was actually about 55 or 60 miles west of the Denali 50-mile arc. So the chances are that that was not where they were going. However, there was a town called Talida or Talida that had a 2,000-foot runway. And we believe that that's where they were flying to. When we looked on the 1959 National Geographic map, however, it didn't show an airport at Talida. So we started looking at a couple other sources, and we looked at the history of the town, and we looked at the FAA history of the airport, and lo and behold, there was a fire in that town in 1958 and the town history reported that it was near where they had built a runway. Hmm. And so we know that the runway existed in 1958, which means that it was there in 1959 to 1961 
when the Western electric people left. And it could have been that it was the discovery of the huge black pyramid underground in that Talida area between McGrath and Talida that they've found it. And then there was the challenge, how can we fly supplies in and out of here without the world finding out? And they may have even tried to camouflage that Talida runway. Well, it's very possible. The town back in that time period had no more than 30 people living there. And after that, it dropped to about 11 back around 2000. And today, there are only about three people there. Now, explain to me, if you've got 30 people living in a town, and you've probably got men and women living there, so maybe you've got 12 to 15 men living there. How did 12 to 15 men build a 2,000-foot-long runway? Yeah. I don't think they did. The other thing that's interesting is some of the things I read about the airport. It's just a runway. It doesn't have a tower. It has a wind sock that's lit up so you can tell what the wind is. And I think there are some radio frequencies that forward to Anchorage Center or to Fairbanks to let them know that you're going to land there. But it made the comment that if anybody is landing at Toledo, to be careful when you get midway down the runway because the runway is not level or even due to heavy traffic. Now, explain to me, if you've got a town with three people living in it, why is there a lot of heavy air traffic going into that runway? Right. It doesn't make sense. If the dark pyramid is 150 feet down to the vertex and it's in that area somewhere around where the Talida Airport is, how do you think we would ever find out when the pyramid might have been put there, but especially when did our government discover that it was there and that the secret has been ongoing now for decades? Well, I think you have to look at the history of Alaska since 1941. And if this underground pyramid does what we hear that it can do, it's probably operating sort of similarly to what Nikolai Tesla tried to do with the Wardenclyffe Tower, mm -hmm. where he was using power that he got from the Earth and sending it to the ionosphere to go around the world and give free electricity to everybody. Right. So if this pyramid is generating electricity and sending the power into the atmosphere that goes around the world, then the chances are pretty good that there's some electromagnetic or EMI, electromagnetic interference in the vicinity, and that airplanes flying over it would have problems with their instrumentation, with their engine misfiring, things like that. And if it happens once, it's just no big deal. But if it happens every other time somebody flies over it, somebody's going to start asking questions. And I think that between the end of the war and the beginning of the Korean War, people were wondering what was going on in the vicinity of interior Alaska. And I think that that's somehow how they found it. The underground pyramid, if you'll remember when the Huey helicopter was to drop off those three very heavy metal cases, they mentioned the fact that there was a C-130 flying above them. It was just sort of flying circles because they were flying faster than the Huey. 
and they were just keeping up with them, just following them as they went to where they were going to drop off this equipment and then stayed circling. But they did know that they got close to the location, that their instruments would go haywire and that they would have electrical problems, but they were prepared for that. So I think that any type of a private airplane that was flying over where that pyramid is located would have issues. And it would be interesting to see the numbers of people that have gone missing in Alaska in the Alaska Triangle. It's just unbelievable. But there are also a large number of planes that have gone missing over the years. And it'd be curious to see now that we sort of have a rough idea where we think this thing is located, how many planes basically gone missing over the area that the Huey having problems with their instrumentation. What is your intuition about where exactly the Dark Pyramid might be in this map that has the Toledo Airport and goes out to Caltag and includes McGrath? Where do you think? I think if you look at what we know over the years in terms of bits and pieces, we have heard that the pyramid is within 50 miles of Denali. Mm -hmm. So we know that the Toledo Airport is probably 30 miles outside that arc. So if we go ahead and we assume that when somebody says it's within 50 miles of Denali, that could be anywhere from 45 to 55, with 50 being in the middle. So if you take an arc that's now a belt, if you will, that's 45 miles to 55 miles, and you go maybe a little bit northwest of Denali, I think we've got a 80 to 90 percent probability that somewhere in that circle is where this thing exists. If anyone listening tonight knows the exact latitude and longitude of this huge underground black pyramid in Alaska, please send me a secure digital proton mail or hard mail to me at post office box 21843, Albuquerque, New Mexico 87154. And Ian is also going to gather comments from the live chat. And I thought I'd start with three comments that Ian already had organized from viewers. Beginning with one, I was stationed at Fort Richardson at the same time, a meaning of Doug Mutchler, and remember the story about the pyramid also, close quote. Two, in the year 1982, my husband Terry and I were bush pilots in Alaska. We knew about the underground ET built Black Pyramid next to Mount Denali. We respected the 120-mile no-fly zone around the mountain, close quote. And a third, quote, this is awesome. My dad was born in the very early 1940s. He talked about military operations, something very similar, but not quite as specific, except he would talk about the power of the pyramid, close quote. And now let's find out what questions and comments Ian has. Hi, Ian. Hi, Linda. 
Great to report. Thank you. It's great to have you and uh, Prometheus and uh, everyone with you tonight. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's interesting. And I feel that this is a subject with this new release by the army guy that there is more and more gathering, as Mark Wood does too, in this collaboration this time. He felt uh, very strongly about saying the 80 to 90 percent probability of uh, this dark pyramid being in that 50 uh, mile circle uh, from Mount Denali out. And this is the closest that we've had of a, of a focus. And I am very interested in whether we can now get more information from people who know firsthand. And uh, going from here, Ian, have you gotten anything tonight in comments and chat that is specifically related to what exactly is there? Yes, uh, uh, people are responding to, uh, straight away to our call uh, about the pyramids. Uh, uh, not necessarily just the pyramid in Alaska, although that, that seems to be the focus here, but pyramids elsewhere in Antarctica, perhaps, and in, on Mars and in other areas as well. But straight up, we've got a question from Pro Wrestler 91 who says, why do we get more military personnel coming forward with legitimate proof of UAPs, but never, it seems, this Black Pyramid or Antarctica uh, Antarctica's hidden alien base? Well, it is a good question, but in over the period of time that we first learned back when they were building the dew line, I would imagine that the non-disclosure agreements uh, that military people and scientists who may have been called in uh, working on this, that they were really stiff and that no one was going to violate their non-disclosure. Later, uh, when you get to 2012, when Doug Mutchler, he is provoked by the fact that there is this Chinese underground nuclear test and that it was large and he hears that uh, the seismologists already know that it is outlining something pyramidal in shape underground. It turned out one night, this goes back probably in 2013, I was working in my office late and I got a call from a man who introduced himself and said, I can't go on the record with you, but I want you to know that on May 21st in 1994, wasn't it, uh, that I was in a team in which we have recordings of the pyramid, the black pyramid underneath that was revealed by that Chinese underground uh, test. So even though that's anecdotal in terms of journalism, it was another one of those markers that there are people out there who seem to have some firsthand knowledge about this revealing a pyramid. And we need more information if possible. And why can't the whole world be told the truth about a pyramid that has been judged by scientists could power Alaska and Canada and do it with what essentially was Tesla's concept of tapping into the energy around the planet that could then be applied throughout the whole grid of the earth to humans free of charge. 
and someone didn't want that to happen either. So, Ian, do we have any questions, comments now that push this ball down the road a little bit more? Mia Jill G is in the chat this evening and says, uh, didn't they also have US official and aliens working on that pyramid together? Isn't this the same pyramid that the remote viewer saw and was later killed and his ashes sent back to his wife? Do you know anything about that, Linda? Uh, I did a series about five years ago with a woman who called me and said that she was having extremely vivid dreams. Uh, she had been working in remote viewing and it was uh, exactly about what you're bringing up, but not a murder, not a killing. And ever since I did with that particular Earth Files report on the Dark Pyramid about five years ago with her illustrations, I have gotten other people saying, I know more about this, I know where it is, but nothing definitive. And that seems to me that it is possible, I'm not saying that this is uh, firm, it is possible that someone in a government agency floats the words that somebody died because they were going to talk about the Dark Pyramid in Alaska. And it's not true, but it filters out a lot of people who might otherwise have been working around the operation, may not know the science, they may not know tremendous amounts of details, but they uh, have knowledge and they want to tell me and somebody makes sure that it becomes a scary issue. That's part of the landscape that I work in. I recognize that. <clears throat> Go ahead, Ian. Yeah. Just in, we've got <coughs> Rebel Raider in the chat says, I know a man that has a homestead almost directly in that circle, and he flies his bush plane out of the airport that was mentioned. The government has been trying to eminent domain his property. Is there any possibility that he could communicate with me? And if you have a way to reach or ask him to get in touch with you uh, in a way that we could talk, I would very much like to communicate. Rebel Raider, please contact us, give us more information and see if your friend is willing to talk with us. Okay, uh, Stein Digger says, they took out the road to Denali, so you can't even drive to this mountain anymore. I'd heard that as well. Um, and it's hard to prove without having first-hand testimonies that there could be changes in a road for another innocent reason, perhaps. But I think out of tonight's report, and all of you can give us feedback, I wanted to do this because when the Army uh, whistleblower came forward in the first week of February, and he sounds to me solid in terms of having worked in the facility that he worked in and having seen something that was above top secret with a line item subject, a dark pyramid or a black pyramid. And it's becoming the, the issue of why can this not be presented to the whole world is becoming as big a puzzle as who built it, which of our ancient aliens on earth created a series of large pyramids, as I understand it, 
inside of our planet for exactly this, for energy grids and their own bases. That's the December 1999 Defense Intelligence Agency man retiring after 23 years that some of what he talked about without it being specifically a black pyramid was about pyramids having been built in strategic places deep inside of this planet. Talking about how the uh, Nordics like to go down below the basins of the oceans and the seas. Uh, the reptilians wanted to be in the ground beneath the warm Mesopotamian deserts and that the greys choose to put their bases inside of mountain ranges. And it's that same discussion of our not understanding how Earth can be used like a big, vast hotel with a variety of life forms in various places that they select. And that it is complex, but this is, to me, Ian, this is the context in which this Black Pyramid is not alone. I would wager that there are probably many. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Richard Hepner says, how about the one on Mars that we are allowed to see? This also ties in with Mick Fegan, 4658, who says, I have seen Mars in dreams where I am next to a buried pyramid. I am standing in front of a door which is open, red stone, top of pyramid only sticking up maybe 30 feet in red sand. It is windy but not bad. I feel calm. I looked in the opening, exactly in the middle at ground level. It was a lucid dream, and I walked up to it. Something said, go back now, and I woke up. Uh, this is another one of these uh, vivid dreams of Mars, which we're getting from our viewers. Yeah, and the DNM, uh, it was the Molinar and the, uh, his colleague, the DNM pyramid on Mars, is in the Cydonia complex that also has the very large half-mile, approximately, uh, head. And I think it is uh, worth my retelling at this moment, since going all the way back to the first release of the uh, image that had been taken and was, uh, I think it was under NASA's control in the beginning, and Mark Carlotto and others began studying Cydonia and came to the conclusion that that face on Mars was not a trick of light and shadow, which is what JPL and NASA kept saying, that it was, in fact, a large structure. And that I ended up being able to go back to Mark Carlotto's office uh, north of Boston uh, around not too long after that very first release of those, that aerial image over the Cydonia region. And to get into the building, you had to have a series of different pieces. And then once you were in the building, for me to get into the elevator to go up to his floor, I had to wait for security people to allow me to enter the elevator. And then the elevator, when it stopped, the door opened, but there were red flashing lights. There were people waiting for me. This is how absolutely secure this building was where Mark Carlotto worked. And he said, uh, 
something like, forgive our, uh, all of our security, but we need it. And he said, and I want to show you something I can only show you in one of the secure rooms. And so he sat me down in a chair, and I remember that the monitor that was in there was like looking at a 26-inch uh, TV screen. It was big, which was unusual all the way back into the period of the uh, 70s, 80s, that period. And he said, uh, he, he said, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're first going to see. And he said, just tell me what your first reaction is to whatever it is that you finally see. So all of the pieces that he said would happen in the screen occurred, lights, lines, numbers. And then all of a sudden was this Cydonia, and it went to a very large image of, we'll call it the carved face, that filled this large monitor screen. And instantly, I had this thought that went in my head, my God, it's a silent scream. And Mark eventually stopped the monitor, and then he turned to me and he said, what was your reaction to the face? And I said, very honestly, what went into my mind were these th was this thought. It's a silent scream. This is something that was put there to be noticed. There, there was either a call out for help, but it, it is not happy. It's not pleasant. It's not a monument. This was a cry for help. And Mark said, I think you're the third person who has told me exactly the same thing. So what in the past happened on Mars? Well, what are we now being introduced in the last three or four years by John Brandenburg, PhD, a plasma physicist. He's written a book, Death on Mars. I have read it page cover to cover. It is excellent. And it is John Brandenburg's uh, conviction based on evidence that he has and has talked with others that in the last, and that's it, they can't time it, two million years, three million years, there was the release of energy, radioactive energy, in the northern hemisphere of Mars that would be equivalent to two hydrogen bombs as we would know hydrogen bombs on Earth. And John Brandenburg is convinced that there was some huge battle, war going on between some faction on Earth and a faction on Mars and beyond. And that the very fact that I and a couple of other people felt this was the, the face that ended up in the Cydonia region where the radioactivity was measured in 1976 by Viking and later, that it could have very well been a huge call for help. And it is still a huge mystery today. And so in that score, the idea that pyramids, huge heads, 
and the three-dimensional stereoscopic material that uh, William Gannett was sharing with us the first week of January, approximately, at the Earth Files YouTube channel, and seeing what he called uh, the toppled pinnacle. It looks like a being that has eyes, has a, a what they call the, the hat that goes up like two cups fitting in each other, that re related to Sumerian and Assyrian cultures. And here it is in one of the Mars rover images. And it is not interpretive. Most everybody who has seen that show that uh, have contacted me have said, you know, that really does look like a three-dimensional uh, sculpture, like what you would have seen from Assyria, Phoenicia, Samaria, perhaps Anunnaki. <laughs> so whatever has happened in the true history of Mars and parallels with things that have happened on Earth and on out through the solar system, it may be that the construction of pyramids, whether they are made out of black material, white material, or other material. It may be that these are vestiges of what has been going through this solar system for a very long time. Is some sort of conflict, as the Defense Intelligence Agency analyst told me in December 1999. This planet is subject to the conflict of three different extraterrestrial species who have been warring with each other for at least 270 million years. Reptilians versus greys versus Nordics. Maybe that is true. If anybody listening has any more input that would fall into the category of evidentiary, please let me know. Go ahead, Ian. Okay, I want to take a moment to just thank our generous audience in the live chat this evening for the super chats. So here we go, in reverse order, and sorry if I've missed anybody out. Cards 96, Linda de Lembo, Wayne Saddleben, Rene Martin, MLM Crystals, Whisper of Love, Stacey Watkins, Yin Yang Glow, <laughs> who we saw just recently in yeah. Los Angeles as well. Yes, remember. Hi, Yin Yang Glow. Glad you're there. Yeah. Uh, Carol, Carol Orbin and Moonbird, of course. Hi, you guys. Everybody, thank you. Thank you so much for your generous support. And some of you have been there from the very first program. I love you guys. And I'm looking forward to a lot more feedback on this and other, um, we'll say, evolving stories that seem to suggest that there have been all kinds of other constructions on our planet and throughout our solar system before Homo sapiens sapien ever stood up 45,000 years ago in a transition with Neanderthal. Our planet and we are so different in terms of history than what we have been taught so far. And I hope we're going to learn more from people with real military and science knowledge about the Dark Pyramid or pyramids uh, after tonight's show. So go, thank you, Ian and everyone. Go ahead. Linda, just before we go to another 
fascinating question or comment. I just want to remind everyone about your upcoming con- conference yeah. appearance in Sedona, Arizona. So I'm going to post a link now in the chat. And uh, yeah, let's tell people about what's going on in Sedona. Yes, it would be fun to have uh, these almost all-night discussions that we sometimes have at conferences about these kinds of subjects. So for those of you who are signed up, I'll see you in Sedona the 8th, 9th, 10th, uh, 11th of March. And for those of you who may be debating, go ahead, sign up, come. We will do a huge discussion about uh, these mysteries having to do with the secrets beneath our feet. (laughs) Yeah, I'm signed up as well. I'll be there. So I'm looking forward to meeting everybody again, as we always do. Linda, we have to go straight now to Paul S.G. Tree, who says, I was inside the Black Pyramid back in 1983. It was amazing, but very creepy. Uh, we'd like to know more. Please contact us, Paul. Yes, and uh, can you provide evidentiary material for the context of what you are describing? And can you provide uh, Ian or me directly at earthfiles at earthfiles.com a phone number where I can reach you by phone? I would really like to follow up if that is possible. Thank you. That's right. And uh, we've also got no name in the chat tonight is saying it's here, Alaska Pyramid, coordinates 63 degrees, 17 minutes north, 152 degrees, 31 minutes west. Thank you for sending that. Um, We have a lot of latitude longitudes that have been sent. And I think it is important uh, to look at the life and career of Captain Mark Wood and that when he says he thinks that we could be really close in that 50-mile circle near Denali, I think he's probably right. So we'll go forward with more research. And a couple of people, Linda, have referenced a certain place uh, that is a nature reserve. Now, this one is from Joshua9513, who says, if you use an old map and follow directions, it isn't hard to find. It is, in my opinion, in a nature reserve. And that is in the spot the directions take you. You can even get pictures of the nature reserve where in the background you can see the top of a rock formation that looks like the top of a black pyramid. Well, the black pyramid that we know about so far, unanimously, everyone has said, the vertex is at least 150 feet underground. So it wouldn't be going into a nature preserve and walking to see a black pyramid. You see what I mean? Yeah, I think I think one of the references as well is that, that it's a nature reserve that's off limits to people, but they can actually see the pyramid in the in the photographs, in the pictures. I've got more than one source on this. Well, send us the photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's see the photos, please. Okay, Linda, I just want to announce as well to everyone that this episode and all episodes of Earth Files also goes out as a podcast so you can listen on the go to wherever you get your favorite podcasts from also. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, three or four more minutes. Let's see what other questions or comments we have. Okay. 
Um, Jessica Rodriguez says, another civilization from another planet came here and gave us the knowledge to build up these temples and pyramids around the world. They gave us knowledge for agriculture, math and science. And Louise says, in the 1970s, we spoke of pyramid power a lot. I kept a pyramid-shaped object in my bag. Big mistake. Caused a lot of havoc with mechanical and electrical stuff. Well, <laughs> um, the, the Great Pyramids, and there is supposed to be, from some physicists that I have talked to in the past, a pyramid-building civilization that stretches through many solar systems. So I think we're only at the tiny beginning edges of beginning to evolve into where we might finally learn a lot more about the pyramid builders because the pyramid definitely has some kind of specific holds power in, we'll call it the matrix of this universe. And that I think that there is so much more to be learned that I find this exciting, even if we don't have firm, firm eyewitness testimony. So uh, let's all keep trying to learn more about pyramids and their relationships to holding certain energy spaces because I think that they are extremely powerful. Linda, have we got time to quickly mention about this uh, broadcast where it was mentioned on a broadcast and your investigation into that? A few people have referenced about the broadcast that no one seems to know anything about. Are you talking about the army? UK. When, it, when there was an actual broadcast on a, on a TV station from Alaska about that featured this pyramid, and you've done some investigation, well, follow up. Uh, no, no, it did not come up uh, with Mark Wood or with Doug Mutchler or any of those uh, guys right there at the very beginning in July of 2012. I had just gotten back from Gobekli Tepe. It was um, an extraordinary week that I was there. And I remember being almost stunned that here I would get back from the Gobekli Tepe trip and all of the mysteries about the underground Cappadocias and places in that part of the world. And then it was only uh, a couple of weeks later that I'd been home that I got the first contact from uh, Doug Mutchler. And the idea that there would be a huge pyramid underground in Alaska, and I had just come back from Gobekli Tepe and uh, other underground installations in southern Turkey, it was almost as if the universe was saying, you need to study these more, and there may be a link throughout this planet to other pyramid structures that we still know nothing about in the general public. Yeah, I think we, uh, they were referencing the, the specific news report. There was a news report that was carried by some uh, news or cable TV channel at one point. But what did they say as content? What, what did they say as content? Uh, I'm just, as a journalist, I'm just always struggling with people who are willing to go on the record. 
And that, to me, is uh, what we all need to strive for is evidentiary material. And uh, the government and the military are skilled at keeping those parts away from everything. So if something is released on TV or radio, that does not mean it's necessarily true. No, I think we're talking about the, the one way back where this was referenced, where the, the, the Dark Pyramid was referenced back in uh, the 1980s or whenever it was, and uh, you followed up with a TV company to find out if there was an actual report that went out. The, this is the Doug Mutchler interview. Yeah. Doug, yes, Doug so. Mutchler uh, is the one who saw the TV broadcast with the 39 or 40 others. And he is the one who called up the station, talked with uh, somebody there, and said that he wanted to come down and get a copy of the video. And at that point, he made it physically down to the TV station. Doug Butchler, that was the big thing when he called me. And that the, the, when, when he actually was face-to-face -face with the man he had talked with on the phone, instead of getting a video handed to him, the man said, no, it, it, we, we did not... We did not broadcast that, as if new information had happened between the phone call that Doug had had with this man and going down to the TV station, and now the man is saying, no, there, there was a problem and it wasn't broadcast. And then when Doug left that office and he went out to leave, disappointed and confused, an engineer from a, a room off of the uh, front part of this TV station, walked up to him and said, we did broadcast that, and it's now been taken away, and uh, whatever the, the words were, we did, it was, but nobody is allowing us to talk about it. That was what provoked Doug Butchler to get in touch with me. Why would a TV station cover up a feed that went to Fort Richardson in Anchorage, Alaska, to a military group, 40 men in a, a, a place like a TV room where they were, saw it, Doug Mutchler remembered talking with everybody about it, and then we saw, I got the New York Times headline that followed that underground blast and, and the, uh, that was exactly what the context was that the men saw in Fort Richardson. So that's why the puzzle was, why would he, why would Doug phone call down to the TV station, getting a, a video copy and then being denied while an engineer comes and saying, we did air it, but nobody is supposed to know. Yeah, and that ties in with the uh, the message that we've got from the introverted Californian 5047 who says, I was stationed at Fort Richardson at the same time, and I remember the story about the pyramid also. Right. That's right. the broadcast story. Well, see, this is not an ending mystery. And we are now a couple of minutes past the bottom of the hour, and uh, I urge all of you who might have some 
real and solid military or intel or other science, medicine, any information about this dark black pyramid, larger than Cheops in Egypt, that is a hundred, the top of it is 150 feet below the surface of the earth, the base is at 700, and that it is in that circle that Captain retired Mark Wood did so much work on for this show to analyze some of those maps and that 50, what he called the 50-mile arc circle of Denali, Mount Denali. And we all need uh, to have more information, but this is fascinating. And I hope that maybe by next week we'll have more insights because this is a story that has been unfolding for me since July of 2012, getting back from Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. And here it is, because an army guy says he saw the Black Pyramid listed in a highly classified above-top-secret document. I wish we had the above-top-secret document. Maybe somebody's got it. Anyway, by next week, whatever I learn that I think is evidentiary, I'll share with you, and we will continue moving on to new mysteries. Thank you, Ian, tonight. Thank you, Super Chats. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for uh, everybody at Prometheus. And look for the series, the Linda Moulton Howe file, or the report that will be upcoming. And I hope to see a whole bunch of you at the Sedona Conference, March 8th, 9th, 10th. And we are, I think, out in the 11th. But it would be so fun to talk with a bunch of you about this kind of mystery face-to-face. And on that note, agape hug in this increasingly harsh world. Pray every day that the thought that dwells in the light will protect humans and earth life. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. Thank <laughs> you.